Hey, Jamie. Hey, Keith. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Getting in the holiday spirit. Ugh. You're just not a holidays guy? I'm the, I'm the Grinch, man. Uh, <clears throat> I, if, if Christmas wasn't all about consumerism, I'd be cool with it. And if it mm. wasn't in the winter when it's freezing, gray, and dark out, I'd also be cool with it. But it's about all those things, so... Gotcha. Well, I mean, technically, it's that's not what Christmas is about, but I'm not going to go there right now. I, I understand that's not what it's supposed to be about, but that's literally what all of America thinks yeah, it's about. Yeah, yeah. That's what the holidays are about in America. That's why I think the Grinch is a hero. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, things are good. Things are good. Um, I've been sick for a bit. <clears throat> oh, really? That's unfortunate. I did not know that. It's that time of year. It's that time of year. It's just a cold, but it's a man cold, you know, like those. So this is a legit thing. Kendra yeah. doesn't understand when I get a cold. I'm like, oh, this is the worst. This is the <laughs> no, absolute like, worst. I'm like, I would rather like I would rather have like the stomach flu and just be sick, like super, super sick for a day than have a cold. And yeah. she's like, I have no idea how you could trade that. Like vomiting is seriously horrible. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Having a cold is seriously awful because it makes me stupid. Like yeah. I've done things when I've had a cold that are just like they make no sense. And Kendra's like, yeah, literally, you just can't think right now, can you? You just this doesn't make sense at all. Yep. It's, it's the worst. worst. thing. But uh, yeah, so I might sound a little, you know, coldy. Yeah, you don't sound too bad. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So, uh, so what you've uh, what you've been up to the past two weeks? So yeah, uh, well, I'll tell you one thing that I haven't been up to, and I completely forgot about until this morning. I didn't release our last episode, so I think we're gonna have a double header this time Ooh. around. I think I'm just gonna I'm gonna edit these back to back after we're done recording, and then I'm going to release one today, and then I'm gonna release this one on like Tuesday. So there's not gonna be a big space in between, but I want to get us back on track with releasing these. It'll be a Christmas gift. There you go. There, oh man, the the stand up Christmas special. That's right. That would be amazing one of these days. Um, but yeah, anywho, beyond that though, chronic wise, I've been slowly getting through things. I don't know if we talked about it in the last episode because I haven't edited the episode yet. But I was taking some time off of Chronic to basically uh, focus a lot on my job job because I wanted to finish my first course and I wanted to make sure it was kind of the best that I could possibly make it. So last week and most of this week, I did not have a ton of time to put into Chronic at all. So thankfully, uh, yesterday, the day before, something like that, I got Chronic's mobile side into a thing that I was like, okay, this is a decent like initial version. It interacts with the server the way you would expect it to. And I think I've structured the Redux in such a way that it like makes sense to me, at least. And uh, I actually like it a lot. And then when I went through and wrote tests, I was like, it's really nice to write tests for functional components like this. Because mm -hmm. they're all just like input-output and they do what you expect. Uh, so yes. I got, got that initial bit of the mobile side out. Super so, bare bones. So you are writing this in, just to refresh, you're writing this in React Native, correct? Yes, yes. So this is in React Native. It uh, uses a combination of some libraries just to give us some kind of default stylings to things to make it look as an Android app would look on Android and as an iOS app would look on uh, iOS. And then uh, beyond that, it's not really customized on the UI too much, which is going to be something that we're going to get m move further into. And I guess we can probably talk about that after you talk about some of what you did. Mm -hmm. So what, what's that library that you're using? To um, I think it's called Native Base. 
But it, yeah, it's a collection of components. And the downside to that is that, um, and this is a downside we'd run into anyway, if we wanted to share a components between um, the mobile React Native bit and an actual React app is that they use different components. But React Native uses different components than React anyway. So I don't think there's something we could do there. And honestly, the like component parts of the mobile app are pretty small. Like they're real tiny. And the what's going to really be there is going to be mostly pure JavaScript. And then uh, on top of that, you're going to have things that are in Redux, which is where like most of the business logic kind of exists right now. Yeah, and it'll allow us to kind of share that between the web app and the React Native app, some of those components. Yeah, so, yeah, I worked on that, got that over to you. Apparently, you couldn't get it to run, which makes me, like, a little bit worried um, that I might have screwed some. I don't know how I would have gotten it to run on my machine because it runs fine, but I, I don't want to start this project off with works on my machine. Yeah. So that's that's kind of unnerving. But beyond that, uh, I spent time yesterday also trying to kind of get some branches back together. I had kind of gone off on a crusade to get us to not be an umbrella app anymore because I thought it was more of a headache than a than a blessing, really. And um, so I was going back through and doing that. And what, what was, I uh, what were some of the headaches you ran into uh, a big part for me is like i hate navic because in reality like you're working on both of these applications at the same time like you're working on the api and chronic for the like at the same bit like when you're like working with timers and so every time i was working on them i ran into the fact that like in reality these are one application they're mm-hmm. they're not going to be used segregated from one another so it was kind of annoying to like i couldn't run tests from inside of vim because it uh the like Vim plugins don't understand how umbrella apps work. We also structured the namespaces of our stuff a little bit weird because we had an app named API, but the module was named Chronic API. Um, so we had some some things going on there that w- were a little bit weird for the sense of um, just consistency. But I could move the actual API bit underneath lib Chronic, and then things like module namespacing kind of made like actually worked with file system structure and stuff. Yeah, the the original intent, I mean, the reason it was kind of an umbrella app was there was originally going to be a third app, and that's going that was going to be kind of the kind of the Phoenix application. But we've decided to you know to kind of use React and a fat client structure, so we probably will no longer have a third type of application in there. Gotcha. Yeah, I like as of right now, I couldn't really come up with where we needed to split it off. And I think when it gets to that point of splitting it off, it's going to be something in addition to this. But yeah, and then I would rather us split it back out when we need to than uh, have them separate kind of prematurely in that sense. So I was combining those things and I got that done before uh, your large like API implementation was was changed. And I realized that uh, you and I talked about it and I was like, one of us is going to like we're at a race to get this merged in first. And then I was like, in reality, I'm going to merge yours or I'm like, we should merge yours in first because it's more important. And then I can go back and rebase this thing later. So I'm doing I was that. happy with that. And yeah, I can imagine because I'm working on it now and I'm like, uh, uh, what, what <laughs> files did he change since the last time I worked on this range? Well, I did actually add that, that third application I talked about as kind mm-hmm. of a test bed. Uh, so there is kind of a Phoenix application 
in there. So that, that probably throws a monkey wrench in the thing. So that actually brings me to something I wanted to talk about with this. And that is since we have that like HTML side of it, I might just pull that in anyway. And so now we will have like our Phoenix app because that's really what this entire thing is, is a Phoenix app. And we just only had an API pipeline for it. So I'm just going to pull in the browser pipeline bit of it. And that does mean I might have to rename the module from chronic API to chronic web, which is the suggested or as is what we would get if we just generated this app from scratch. So our choices are I can do that or I can just nuke the test client. I would uh, I would vote for uh, moving the test client over to a different uh, repo. And okay. then we can just destroy that repo when we're done. I literally probably only need it for one more little two week iteration here so okay. it just has some ideas in there it's nothing's usable it was basically like uh, a test bed to test the api client in a real world situation so all right well that makes sense that that makes my my job a little bit easier i can just do kind of extract app on that and then not worry about it too much because then i would rather because then we'd have to go back i really like that namespace Mm-hmm. You're gonna have to fight me for the namespace. Yeah, I know. I've, this whole time, and I'm then, like, I could just do convention here, and you're like, but this is a cool namespace. It makes sense for what we're doing. And I'm like, okay, you're right. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah but can, that's not convention though. I'll, I'll fight you for that too. And then we'd have to like remove the browser uh, plug and all that stuff. So yeah, so that is where I'm at now that I know what I can do with test client. I'm gonna be able to rebase that a lot faster. Nice, dude. But yeah, so that was my my chronic side of things. Worked on the mobile app, got that shipped over to you for review, and you left me some good review that I have to go back and like make some tweaks on. And um, beyond that, I've been doing a lot of Python work outside of this. It's and a little, oh, it's a little odd. I'm sorry, I just want to bring this up. Before no, talking go for about it. This. But it was a little odd, like reviewing that PR for me because like I don't know shit about React, uh-huh. and even less poop uh, about React Native. So uh, I left like. Well, I don't know. Maybe this makes sense, and maybe this makes sense. So it'll it'll get it'll improve over time. But the thing that I think makes it all right for like you reviewing, it, even though you don't really haven't really used the tools that much, is that there's like very little React involved. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like there's only yeah. one actual like React component class in the entire thing. Yep. And that is the the timer class, and that like basically just lays out some HTML looking stuff that you can kind of relate to. I should have attached a screenshot, but I was expecting it to run on your end so you can so- see what's going on. But then beyond that, it's a lot of just like pumping state back into it. It's all just like pure functions for the most part. I think the the reason it wouldn't run is probably some versioning issue, like between like Node or I can believe Yarn that. or you know. Um, I'm on Sierra. You might be on High Sierra. I don't know. I am on High Sierra, actually. So there might be some, and it might have just been my patience because it it just sat there instead of downloading JavaScript packages. You know what it might have actually been? Uh, Do you have a the iOS simulator installed? I do. Okay. I do. I have Xcode in the simulators. I have several simulators. It it, it popped up the SE simulator. Gotcha. Yeah, that's like the default. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that was what I actually had expected that it was going to be. But if not, it might have been an issue with the the code it uses called Expo, which can actually run it on your phone while it's in development, which is pretty cool. Ah, that's where Expo came in. Okay. I was thinking Expo was the standard uh, standardization, you know, UI library. Nope. Nope. Expo is the the packager that allows you to easily run it kind of across all the different simulators and on gotcha. your own device. So if you install the Expo iOS app, you can actually like 
uh, scan the QR code that shows up in the terminal, and then it'll oh. run on your your actual phone. I know. I saw that. <laughs> it that. It's cool, actually, the QR code, but I don't know, yeah. it's a QR code. But I guess those are coming back. So anyway. Uh, yeah. So I guess beyond beyond that stuff, though, like I said, I've been doing a lot of Python and... Um, playing a lot of drums because I play drums at my church and Christmas is always a big time and a little drummer boy. So, uh, <laughs> I, I gotta make a joke, a little drummer, gotta boy. organize. I'm not the littlest drummer boy this time around. We have a younger guy who's like being kind of trained into our, uh, worship team. And so he's, we have him with like a marching snare and stuff. It'll, it'll be pretty cool, but drummer have, yeah, there you go. So how'd your Python course come along like come along for it's not done yet but that's because i have to record probably three or four more uh videos but they're all little like all the technical content is done and it ended up being different than how i had planned it originally but great at the end is how i'm gonna describe like what actually came out of it so the concept for the course is python scripting for systems administrators so it's basically like how can i use python as my primary scripting language instead of something like bash which admittedly it's really freaking hard to read so um yeah it was it was more or less a look at that and i thought about it and you know i've written a billion and a half utilities for uh working with command line so scripts and i automate almost everything at this point so i was like okay i have i have some good ideas on this and what to cover so we covered everything in python up to object orientation we didn't cover that because you really don't need it to write scripts and then one of the things that had come kind of late in the development of the course and the planning of the course, too, was that somebody had left a suggestion like, you know, you can get like basics to a programming language anywhere, but it would be really cool to cover what it's like to plan out a project and to go through actually building the project and things to consider when you're doing this and stuff. So I ended up swapping out the entire back end of the course and made it a whole like full blown project that we go through as a demo. And that involves like planning and doing TDD for the entire thing and showing you how to build it against Python 2 and Python 3, making a distribution you can share with your team, like tons of stuff like that. And I think it's going to be really valuable. That's awesome. Cool. So what, uh, what do you have upcoming? Um, so finish the rebase stuff, uh, work on some UI for the mobile app based on some stuff you're going to talk about. And then I actually want to get a server deployed for us so that we can start actually using this thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. So how has it been for you this last couple of weeks? So I've kind of split my time between, actually I've worked a lot on Tatsu. So with kind of the, the break we had in these two weeks or, you know, your uh, availability as I decided to work a bit on Ted Sue and kind of work on the asynchronous stuff. Uh, so I, I basically finished all the asynchronous commands so you can resume and edit and uh, quit. And Wait, delete. so what does that look like asynchronously for that? Because when you say async, you're talking direct message standups and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. So there is basically different things that need to be communicated. So like an example, like when you quit now, when you quit a standup now, everybody knows that you quit the standup because it's kind of common in the channel. But when you type quit in your direct message, obviously only you and the bot know that it's quit. So instead of just saying, hey, Jamie quit the standup for today, which everybody can kind of see that I typed in the quit command and then the bot will mm -hmm. say, hey, Jamie. Now it says like, okay, hey, you quit the standup. I'll let the whole team know. And what it does is then it also communicates that to the main channel. 
also lets everybody that's unfinished know that, hey, Jamie quit the stand-up, so you don't have to type your stand-up anymore type of stuff. Uh, and then ah, there's certain okay. commands that don't make sense in asynchronous world. So like resume or skip doesn't make sense because everybody's doing their own kind of stand-up. So, yeah, that makes sense. It was basically creating uh, some acceptance tests around the asynchronous uh, path of things, uh, moving some things around like, hey, it doesn't make sense to say this in as a response. Let's say this. A lot of that, a lot of a lot of refactoring. So it was good. It's good. It's turning out turning out well. Still a lot of uh, <clears throat> most of the work that's that needs to be done now is is kind of on the front end, uh, being able to switch from an asynchronous standup to an asynchronous standup uh, channel. Uh, you have to invite members in the asynchronous channel because the synchronous channel would just look at who's currently in the in the channel and allow you to pick and choose those. Which you'll be able to do in the in the asynchronous one as well, but then you can add people from different channels and okay, still kind of a bit of work on the front end, but the back end and the you know you're able to basically do a whole stand up. My plan with that is to um, deploy that and feature flip it, or actually just feature flip it kind of manually for people that want it without the front end. So oh, okay, gotcha. Let's see how that goes for a lot of people or several customers. So I'll, I'm going to do that in the next two weeks. And then the one thing I did with Chronic, so our plan is to build a Mac app and an iOS app, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know a lot about building Mac apps. And <laughs> that's, that's good because it's kind of a pain sometimes. And instead of like going towards a whole new platform, I've decided to kind of stick with the web platform for, for a little bit more at least uh, and build kind of a real React um, web web client for the for the standup or f- for chronic, and um, so that's the direction we're going to go in for right now. Uh, while you're building the iOS app, I, I want to help on the iOS app as well. I'm going to build the the web client. In order to build that, I needed to kind of figure out what what this is going to look like a little bit. So I I created a bunch of mockups on for the iOS app and the web app using sketch and sharing that with you in Envision. So that's been kind of fun kind of learning those tools from a different angle. I've used them in the past. I just haven't kind of created stuff with those tools. So Yeah, it was nice to be able to see kind of what your idea was for the mock-up, especially since, you know, Chronic deals with time and you wanted to show me like, okay, this is how the UI changes over time. Yeah. And that was that was really nice to see. Yeah, so I kind of you know it, it, that sounds like easy to do but that took several days of like looking at different fonts and sketching things out on the iPad and seeing what was important and not important because I want to make the like UI as simple as possible but also like kind of engaging at the same time like why the pomodoro's going on or timer's going on um you know we have this idea of like having an image that slowly grows in the background and slowly reveals itself at the background and then whatever that final version is or wherever that version of that image ended up that kind of represents that instance of that timer throughout the ui and it was fun kind of playing with that so i created the web interface and the ios interface and uh, we're definitely going to improve upon that but it kind of gives us a basis a basic framework to kind of lean towards 
Yeah, I think the with the design that you came up with and the simplicity that it has, uh, one of the nice things that we got with that is that I don't think we're going to have to deviate too much between the iOS and the Android version of the app because it's a very stripped away UI. So it's, uh, you know, certain buttons are just normal to have, you know, like a pause button's pretty easy to, to do regardless of platform. So I was really excited to see that how clean it came out was going to work out really well for us when we're actually implementing this. Yeah, and then hopefully we can make that tech of the uh, edge detecting image stuff, uh, just build that in a web or a web view on all the platforms, web, mobile, Android, iOS, maybe Mac, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I think because uh, we had found an open source project that's written in JavaScript that can kind of do that anyway. And yes. uh, so looking at that, I think that will be really easy for us to put that in some sort of like shared thing that we can put anywhere. Yeah. So we don't have to build that for multiple platforms, which would probably nix that feature. Um, but I think it's a unique feature and kind of fun. So so my next step is to uh, the other thing I've been doing is kind of learning React. Write a bunch of blog posts. I'm going to dive into Egghead IO courses a bit, uh, learn more about I've played with React before, nothing in production. So I'm not like super not unfamiliar with it, but I talked to a friend who's done a lot of React and he kind of talked to him for about a half hour to kind of like have him save me, you know, three to four hours of trial and error. And also talked to him. He also does a lot of React Native, um, Ryan Lanciao, uh, shout out to him. And so he kind of walked through how they share components between web and native and what they use. They use like uh, yarn workspaces to kind of share that stuff. So it was, it was enlightening. So my next, over the next two weeks, I'm going to start on the web interface. And my first step on really any web project was kind of like get the responsive layout going and just kind of putting in borders where things will go and getting those components all hooked up. So that's what I'm going to do over the next few weeks and then hopefully get the timer working. And I'm sure that will introduce some new API endpoints and things like that. So, Yeah, I'm well, just working on the mobile app. I was like I was working on it and I realized that I wanted to be able to reset the timer. Yes. <laughs> and the way that I have this handled is so the way that we update the timer is you can update it from anywhere in the app by dispatching an update or you wanted me to rename it to sync. And I think that entirely makes sense. But the problem is, is if you if you wanted to reset a running timer, I wanted it to stop your existing timer and then give you a new one, basically. Well, the problem is, is when you hit pause, it goes off, hits the server, and then the server pings back to you that it updated and pause. So I need a pause with no reply so that it doesn't trigger another update of itself in the UI. I need I almost want like a stop that's like, OK, this timer is done. We're seriously piecing out with this timer. Like, forget this one ever existed. We definitely need like a reset. Um, I, I like the name. Well, I don't know about reset, but we need like, you know, a, a lot of Pomodoro apps kind of skip. Like if you if you say pause and then skip like, hey, screw this Pomodoro. Like this one's like keep this in the state that it's in mm -hmm. and give me like a new one. That's that's definitely something we need. I, I don't know what to call that. Like, yeah, interestingly, I think it's against the Pomodoro technique. Like, I think if you stopped your timer, you're just killing the Pomodoro. So it, it is, but I, I don't want to make it that 
I don't want to make it that rigid. Like we can implement it different ways, whatever, you know, maybe that's a setting like, hey, when I stop a Pomodoro or like we can collect that information the way we want. But I still think the timer API needs a, a way to like stop, you know, stop. It's maybe it's stop. I don't know. Like stop is different than than pause, obviously. Yeah, the interesting thing that I ran into was that when I implemented like just the naive version of it locally, I was like, okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna hit this button. It's going to trigger this event, which is gonna essentially I need to dispatch a pause, and then I need to trigger that to dispatch an event to update the UI. And it was like it did that, but then it also asynchronously received another event. And updated itself back again because it was receiving something else from the server. And then I did, I did something else and I had multiple timers running at the same time and receiving all the events for it. And it was it was like really comical at the point. Like my logs were just like it was like tick, 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 tick. And I'm like, OK, whoops, I screwed something up somewhere. But yeah, I think I, I think I commented. I think I commented that we need to check the ID. Yeah, well, and I wanted to comment back like, you know, what would have really made this easy a timers channel. Yes, I know. You're ready to, <laughs> to do that. Then it's actually not easy because then you have to create a new channel and for each timer. Well, so see, that's where I, I do think like looking at it, like passing around the channel. And then when you're done with the timer, just disregarding the channel is one of those things that would be pretty easy to do from a client side time. But that's it. Like if we're the only ones implementing clients. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like since, we are, yes, that would be easy. But then you have other clients in the future, or we'd have to change our timers in the future where you have to create all these different channels. And I just, I still don't like that. Yeah, I know. You're not a big fan of channels. I, th- I think they're cool, but... I think I they're know. cool for Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Well, but, which is what this is. Yes, but it is what it is right now. So the other thing I want to work on is the ability... Um, I want to do a cool little demo where I, um, I'm going to create a quick little Alexa skill and kind of demo that the, that the, um, the timer can be paused via Alexa and then paused just, just as a little tweet thing that I want to create and kind of, kind of do that. So that actually probably won't use any WebSocket stuff. So that'll be interesting. Um, uh, wait, how's that not going to use? Oh, you're right. It can't use WebSockets. It's going to have to hit an API endpoint. That's going to have to. Yeah, that'll be interesting. That'll be cool because I will kind of start the way with the integrations and uh, kind of abstract what we actually do inside the WebSocket stuff to kind of abstract it into another layer that both the endpoint calls and the WebSocket endpoint calls and blah, blah, blah. So So one thing that I'm curious, and I don't know if you've thought about this yet, is how are you going to tell Alexa what the timer ID is? Uh, It'll probably be like the current timer. Well, I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah, because that's the only part that I think, like, behind the scenes and all of our other clients, like, they just know the ID, like, they've had it the entire time. So they can talk, and because you need the identifier to be able to look up the process to be able to interact with it. So that that will be the struggle, unless this will, maybe you'll have to give a concept of, like, current running timer is stored somewhere on the user, yeah. maybe. I'm assuming Alexa has some way to, yeah, maybe it's something that we have to store in our database. But basically, when you say start the timer... So this is on Alexa, say start the timer, it'll know what the ID is, but I can see like, if you already have one and you tell Alexa to pause the timer, what timer is it talking about? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm excited to see this. I don't have an Alexa, so, or an Echo, I guess. Yeah. So I'm just going to have to watch from afar 
Although I bought one for a gift exchange, and none of those people listen to this podcast, so it doesn't matter. But uh, I'm hoping that I'm I'm going to take <laughs> it back from the gift exchange. That's my thing. Like it's one of those white elephant things where you can steal from people. So I'm going to rig it up so I get this thing back. There you go. Another example of consumerism. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's my goal for the next two weeks is kind of get the timer started for realsies um, on the website and implement some of the UI and uh, hopefully work a lot with you on the uh, on the React stuff. So Cool. I'm excited. Me too, man. All right. Well, I guess I will talk to you in another two weeks then. Well, record with you in another two weeks. All right. All right, Keith. Talk to you, man. Later.